Hey, everybody, what is going on? It is rankable time. I'm your host, Garrett Sussman. Really excited to kick off this next phase. And I am joined by a master of SEO. He's been in the biz forever. I'm really excited. I mean, he does Backlinko with some of the best content in our industry. Like when you see an SEO consultant agency that actually ranks for SEO terms, this is the guy. He also created Exploding Topics, which is a really cool site that that gives you a pulse on what is trending in searches in the world of SEO as well. So thank you for joining me today, Brian Dean. Oh, thanks for having me, Garrett. So Brian, Rankable, we usually ask our guests just right off like, how the heck did you get your start, man? Like, how'd you get into SEO? Like, what brought you into this world? Well, like most people in the space, it wasn't planned at all. I don't think anyone grew up being like, I want to be in search engine optimization. Right. So, um, and if they, maybe now, uh, but uh, anyway, I started an online business from my parents' basement and I learned really quickly, uh, first lesson of business, it's hard to get traffic to your site. And I was broke at the time with, you know, had no money. And I was like, how to get, literally probably Googled, how to get traffic to your site. And there are kind of a couple options. Social media was still like, not that huge yet. Like there was Facebook, but Twitter was just starting. So it's basically SEO and paid. Those are the two options. And I was like, well, obviously SEO is the option for me because I don't have really a marketing budget. And that led me to like learning about the space and understanding how search engines work. I bought SEO for dummies, like that whole beginner's learning process. And then from there, I was like, mm, this SEO thing's pretty cool. Let me just build sites that are specifically designed to rank. And through many years of trial and error and failing and getting nailed by updates, I eventually launched a successful site in the personal finance space. And I used White Hat SEO to, to rank that site. And I was like, man, this White Hat SEO can work. Like if you actually do it and try it, it's really effective. But I couldn't really find any good resources for learning more about it to get more advanced, to learn about advanced outreach strategies and on-page optimization, all that stuff. And that's when I was like, hmm, maybe there's other people like me out there. So I launched Backlinko as sort of the blog that I wanted at the time. That's really, that's really cool. And so since then, it's really you've continued to build on these strategies and hone in on some of these big pillar topics. I mean, you do a lot of pillar content and kind of skyscraper content. How did you get to that strategy? Like, how have you continued to improve even in 2021? You know, you still, there's still this responsibility to kind of continue to crank out content. What was the evolution of that, that aspect of the strategy? Well, I think at first, um, for my other property that I built before, right before Backlinko, I noticed that these sort of like five tips for whatever just weren't really getting traction anymore. Like this was 2013. So blogs were kind of a couple of years before just publishing often was a novelty. If a, if a site published a lot, it was like, wow, that's really interesting. Let me just keep visiting the blog and subscribe to the RSS feed and kind of these old school things that we think of now. And I noticed that when I published something really ridiculous, like these long lists, a hundred ways to do something, it just got more traction in the short and long term. And with Backlinko, when I first started, it was really my first blog. So I was reading a lot of advice about how to start a blog, how to grow a blog. And everyone was like, you need to publish every week. You need to publish every week. So I was, when I first started, I was publishing almost every week and I was publishing just 
not really anything special. Like I remember once I tried to start this Q and A series where people would email me questions and I would answer them on the blog. And there's value in that, but it's not the type of post that's really going to get a new blog, you know, noticed. I was in a really competitive space and just answering random questions about, you know, no follow tags is not going to get me noticed. So I kind of realized I needed to step things up. So I took a hiatus from publishing every week and I just started focusing on these huge mega posts. And the first one that I published that got a lot of attention was Google's uh, 200 ranking factors, the complete list, which is basically a collection of potential ranking factors that Google might, might be using based on patents, based on statements from Google, based on just speculation. It wasn't official in any way. And that's the first. And when that got a lot of attention, a lot of buzz, a lot of traffic, I was like, man, maybe I should just do this instead of publishing this once in a while and having that weekly post, just publishing whenever I can put something out at this level. And that's that. And since then, I just basically have only published posts like that um, for the last eight years. And, and it's tricky to that point of like, you have these 200 factors that may influence and Google's always ad adjusting the dial and what might work yesterday might not work tomorrow. Um, and also in, in the industry, we're seeing so much more saturation of content. Have you seen on these, these epic pages that have been ranking, you know, one, two, three for a while, has it been steady or do you ever see, like, have you seen like any sort of dips in traffic at this point? Like, how are you keeping a pulse on all, all the assets that you have out there that have been performed? So I would say generally they're pretty stable, but there definitely some have dropped, some have gone up. And the ones that have dropped, I've noticed weren't a good fit for search intent. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's that it's, it's a tough balance because when you publish something, you want it to get eyeballs, you want it to get links, you want it to get attention, but that's not always the same thing that a searcher wants. A lot of times a searcher wants something relatively simple that can give them what they want within a minute. Um, versus this 100 list or 300 list or whatever. So it depends on search intent. Like I have this post on my site called SEO Tools, the Complete List, where I personally reviewed 180 tools. Now it's less now because some of them have died off, but I literally created an account, logged in. It was a crazy experiment. And that has actually stayed in the top three for SEO tools for years, for six or seven years now. So that's one where even though it's long, for whatever reason, people searching for SEO tools, it matches their search intent. But I've had others that were really long list of tips. For example, I had a one that was, you know, a, a long list of SEO tips. I think it was over a hundred. That one dropped off and I had to change it to just curating to, you know, a, a batch of 25 tips that were the most impactful. And then it did a lot better. So it really depends on the keyword and search intent. But yeah, I would say it's a tricky balance because you want to nail that search intent on day one, but it's not always possible. So now I just look at content. It's supposed to do you can't do two things at the same time. Like it needs to be that eyeball grabbing, maybe controversial, maybe a study, maybe interesting just to get people to link to it and share it. And then there's that targeted content that maybe no one ever shares or links to, but can rank for some long tail keywords and satisfy search intent. That's the stuff that's going to rank over time. So I've tried to get have content do both. And like I said, the SEO tools post is one that's been able to do it, but generally it's, it's tough. Do you, do you go back? So like when you notice the search intent has changed for one of your, your pillar pages, like the, the top keywords, like how do you do content refreshes? I mean, I know your intention is to have these evergreen posts and, you know, some of them are, you know, 20, you know, SEO for 2021 versus like just general, like link building or, or, or technical SEO. 
how, how do you approach content refreshes? Like, do you just say, okay, well, that one just, you know, it's, it's going down, the search intent's changing, I'm good with that. Or do you be like, okay, well, I want to get back up there and change? Uh, for the most part, I try to get it back. I mean, I only have like a couple hundred posts on the site. So I can't really be like, well, that one, that's <laughs> a bummer. It's dead. Like, I, I don't have that luxury. I really need, all of them need to, not all of them need to do well, but a good chunk of them need to do well. So I do try to revive whatever I can. And I just look at the search results and see what is doing well, what's not doing well, and try to figure out why isn't it ranking. If it has the links, if it has the authority, if it's a good content and has all the pieces, the missing link is a lot of times search intent. And of course, building links is, is always the number one thing you can do, but it takes a lot longer. It's a lot harder. So I usually just try to focus on search intent for most of these that have dropped off because there are enough links to get there in the first place. And it's unlikely that you know, nine competitors just got a bunch of links and I didn't. So it's probably a search intent issue. And yeah, that's how I look at it. I'm like, this one needs to come back. And I analyze the SERPs, try to come from the point of view of someone searching for that keyword, like technical SEO. They might have a vague understanding of what it is, but they really don't know that much about it. So, you know, maybe they just want a quick answer. Maybe they just want to know what it is. And I could change the guy to that. But a lot of times they want to know what it is plus some advice. And usually there's a missing link somewhere. Maybe it gets too advanced too early or whatever, but it tends, it, that's the thing about search intent. It really does depend on the keyword. It's so, it varies so much, even when the same space that it's almost like empathy. You need to think from the, the mind of that searcher, what do they want and how can I give it to them? And the better you can do that, the better they rank. Yeah. And, and, and it's hard. It's hard because there's so many, I mean, we're all so different and we all come with so many different perspectives, but when we're coming on these topics, it's like, usually there is a, a consensus around search intent, even if it's, it's changing. You mentioned link building. I'm curious. So we know there is this element of, as you build a bigger brand and you become recognizable, a lot of SEO just becomes easier. Like the biggest brands have a lot of bad SEO, but they still rank for a ton of stuff for you. When did link building become, did it ever become easier because you've become such a recognizable brand or is it still, do you still consider it just as hard for those top, you know, top links as everyone else? Well, I mean, outreach is a lot easier. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even close. Not even, close. Um, even though in general it's harder, it's just easier. People know who you are. It's just like anything. Like if Elon Musk emailed you to go on your the podcast, I'm pretty sure you'd find a slot for him, even if it wasn't a usual recording day. Now, I'm, of course, I'm not in the universe as Elon Musk or anything. I'm just using that as an example. But um, yeah, I think it's it's. I still focus on it because for that exact reason, that once you have links, you have the power. You can get away with technical SEO that might not be ideal. Your on-page SEO, your search intent doesn't have to be necessarily a right on point um so yeah i'm i still focus on links but i do it in more of a trying to create assets that people passively link to because in my space if you just do the math like i have about thirty thousand referring domains and it's really wow it's a lot but it's nothing compared to the person <laughs> competing with hubspot moz search engine land search engine in general they have like hundreds of thousands so for me, I can't be w reaching out one by one by one to get links. It just doesn't make any sense. So I need to find a way to get, you know, 3,000 links a month uh, without doing a single outreach email. So that's my, and, and that's the thing. The, the thing about SEO is the rich get richer. As you get to the top, people link to you more, I think. So to get, in, to get ahead of your competitors, you need to go extra. 
to really get ahead of them because they're already in that flywheel, so to speak. So yeah, I still focus on link building a lot because mostly because I'm in the space that I'm in, but also you can never have enough, really. <laughs> and, and speaking of the flywheel, one thing that you've done over the last few years as well is you've gotten a lot very much into YouTube marketing, uh, video marketing and building out your YouTube SEO. I was curious if you could just talk a little bit about what was the inspiration for that? Like, did you think that was a need or did you feel like I was, I was just good with, you know, search and, and wanted to get into the video space? Like what inspired your, your, your approach to video? It was more that I just saw that there was really no one there at the time. Like now there are a lot of marketers that, ha- that are on there, like Neil Patel. Uh, he has a great YouTube channel. Ahrefs has a great YouTube channel. So there's a lot of, there are a lot of uh, SEO and marketing, digital marketing people on YouTube. But at the time, there really wasn't a lot. So I just saw an, an opportunity to go on there and, and just stretch my boundaries a little bit because I'd never done video and I hated doing video. So to get to try and learn all the ins and outs, it was a great experience because now with Becklinko is an online education company and all our courses are video. So that helped me learn the whole process of like how to speak in front of a camera without being super nervous, like how to find a good person to work with, how to have a great editor, the importance of having an editor. So that's really, it was just more of a go where they ain't marketing strategy than anything like super strategic. No, I mean, and it makes sense. I mean, that is good marketing is, is when where your audience potentially is, be there and be there with great content and, and you filled a gap at the time. I do want to switch gears a little bit to your other business, which is tangentially related, but obviously very much connected to SEO is Exploding Topics. So uh, tell me about Exploding Topics. What is it? How, how, why'd you start it? And, and what is the goal with it? So Exploding Topics is a... a, a product basically it's a tool also a newsletter uh to help people discover trends before they become mainstream so uh, my co-founder developed a technology that is really good at finding trends early so just when things are starting to get that little bubble to identify them and basically cure we manually curate them before they become mainstream and I started because I just saw an opportunity in this space. Like I was actually, when I got introduced to Josh, my co-founder, I was trying to build something myself that did the same thing. Like I hired a, a developer and it was terrible. It, would, it was awful. It didn't work at all. <laughs> it was like scraping subreddits and it had tons of false positives. And that's one of the things I realized about his technology that was so much better than mine was that most of the work with trend spotting is filtering out noise. That's the hardest part. It's literally a 99% noise to signal ratio. So you really need to have a technology that can identify signal versus noise. And even then there's a lot of manual curation that goes into identifying trends. So that's the, the missing link that I had in my, what we had built, which is just still like an alpha thing, but it was, I could tell it wasn't really going anywhere. So when I saw his, what he had built, I was like, this is a perfect match. So now I've been teaming up and we launched about a year and a half ago on product hunt and it's been great it's been a great experience my goal is just to grow it i actually spend more time working on that now than backlinko and and it's it's really interesting because there there are a, a ton of use cases for it who who initially like what audience discovered exploding topics and and were you were you surprised by it at first it was a lot of like indie hacker 
um, I want to start my first business, but I don't know how type of uh, audience because it's actually a great tool for that. Um, that's not our, our market, but right. it's a good tool for that because if you're literally at the point where you're like, I want to start a business, but I don't even know what it could, it could be anything. Like you're just open to literally anything. It's a good way to help you discover uh, topics that are trending rather than just pulling something out of thin air. I don't think that's the best way to start a business in my opinion, but that's a different story. Um, there, but they were the first people to sort of amplify it. Like it was big on Hacker News. We're a number one product of the month on Product Hunt when it launched, largely due to that that market. But we quickly discovered that they're a good, they're they're just not a good fit for our paid product, which is obviously like the priority at, as now it's a business. So our paid product are, is more geared towards VCs and investors because they're like they still want trends, but they're they have a budget for this sort of thing. Like they have the same demand because they want to know what the next big star is going to be, the next big space, whatever, but they have a budget versus an indie hacker who's like, I'm just trying to pull this together. And I was that person, I'm not judging, but they're just not a good target market for a pro product. So yeah, there's tons of use cases. We have also agencies, we have entrepreneurs, we have uh, in-house people. There's tons of use cases like you had mentioned, but if we had to zero in on a group that's getting the most value from it, it's probably uh, VCs and investors. And that makes a ton of sense. I, I to your point, like I can imagine, like affiliate marketers who want who want to get in on that. So, if an SEO was going to use exploding topics, like what would be the approach? What are some of the use cases that you've seen that that can bring value to to our industry? Well, the number one is finding topics before they get competitive. I mean, before like it's possible to do this manually. The like just keeping a, you know, your ear to the ground in your space and being like, oh, this thing's blowing up. Let me get in on it. The hard part is there's so many things you miss that are, or maybe they're underground. And by the time you hear about it on Twitter, it's already too late. It's already competitive. Like I've even noticed from the last couple of sites that I've run, if you can publish something before it's competitive and you just stay there, it's so easy to rank and it's so easy to stay there. There's no, and by the time people are coming around to it, you have such a huge first mover advantage. So I use it all the time for, for finding topics for Backlinko and also for exploring topics. Like we, you know, we identified NFTs like two years ago and started writing about that. And that's helped us rank for some keywords. So yeah, I, that's the number one way to use it. it. It can also just be a good way to, to come up with non-SEO content for your space. Like say you're a, a PR agency, you know that journalists, they love talking about trending topics. What's trending now? So if you can... You know, you're like, we, we have a client, but we don't really know where to go. They just, they make dog food. Well, you can go to Exploring Topic, go to the pets category and just look at all the pet related trends that are growing. And then when you pitch a journalist, it's much more likely to succeed. So it can actually be used for link building too. Yeah, I was, that's, that's a really interesting idea because it's like sometimes coming up with campaigns that both are relevant to your clients, but also will be, you know, interesting for journalists. It's, it's hard to be creative all the time. And, and we're always looking for these sources of inspiration. And I can imagine something like that. How, how do you, without you know giving away any trade secrets, but how do you manually curate the topics? Like, how do you know what is like NFTs that, that is going to explode? Yeah, well, that's a good question. So basically the technology that, how it works um, at, a, at a high level, it scrapes tons of different sources. So it mm. scans Reddit, podcasts, search, um, Twitter, tons of social media sites. And then it identifies whether the trend is growing or not. 
Okay. If it thinks it's growing, then it puts it into sort of an analysis and then it gets more like with an algorithm figures out, okay, is it really trending or not? Then at that point, it goes into a manual queue. And that's where we look to make sure that it's a trend versus a fad. Because there's tons of things that, like I said, it's nine, nine to one. So things about the news, there's a movie, there's an actor, there's a video game. We don't consider those trends because they just come and go. Um, so we have to have a, that's where the, the human element of the curation comes in, where we have a, a analyst that looks over the trends and says, okay, this is a trend. It goes into our database or it's not. And that's basically how it works because that last step that most of the engineering, the technology is just removing the noise. And even then there's still like a lot of labor involved, labor of love, I, I hope. But <laughs> anyway, the point is that we have 10,000 trends that we track every day and it grows and updates every day and it's growing, but it's each one of those has been like picked and analyzed and categorized. So that's why you can go to the pets category and give it a unique description. So that way it's easier to find them if you, if you search, if you use our search function, it doesn't just search for the name of the topic, it also looks at the description as well. So there's a lot of like legwork, let's just put yeah. it that way, to find trends that I wasn't expecting when I started. Yeah, that's, I mean, I can only imagine as you, as you fine tune it, because obviously it's always going to be directional. It's like no one can predict the future. So it's like, you're just mm -hmm. trying to do the best you can with as much data as possible. And to your point of all the noise that's out there, it seems really cool. Um, I, I enjoy the newsletter too. It's it always is oh, surprising. Cool. I get, I get the email and I'm like, oh, you know, ki kittens with, you know, three colored eyes is trending this week or, you know, some sort of new, yeah. you know, like, yeah, like Ethereum, crypto, whatever. Although I'm, that's mm -hmm. so over my head. Anyway, to bring everything full circle. So we talked about like evergreen SEO and those big color pages. We talked about trends. What SEO trends are you paying attention to? Like, are you, are you still, are you mostly in the business at this point or do you still get your hands dirty in the SEO world and, and kind of pay attention to, you know, what's happening with search? I don't pay as much attention. <laughs> I find that they're, cause they're also kind of fats versus trends. Like if there's a major thing like Core Web Vitals, of course I'm paying attention, right? But like the search console thing from a couple weeks ago where the data wasn't, uh, you know, being like, like that stuff, I don't really fall. I saw that, but like, that would be something that I, I would usually like follow and be like, it's, and then check when it, like, I just don't do that anymore. So I try to keep tabs in the industry, but I find that it's like, it really doesn't help necessarily help that much in terms of executing SEO, knowing this, like, because it doesn't change that much. Like think about 20, I, I've actually, I write annually, I'm, I'm not sure if you've seen it, an SEO next year guide, right? Mm -hmm. And this year I'm really struggling to write it because there hasn't been that many developments this year. Like last year we had passage indexing, we had core web vitals were coming out. They're starting to track it in search console, but this year they're, and they, oh, they did podcast indexing. Mm -hmm. This year has been kind of slow. I feel like nothing, the, the space is kind of slowing down in terms of like changes, even updates. There hasn't been any like catastrophic updates, core, you know, core updates. So I kind of feel like there isn't a huge point in spending time following SC roundtable anymore versus just keeping your nose to the grindstone and just executing. Cause I'm really focused on scaling content for exploring topics. Like how can we publish more really good content now that we have something going and I'm not writing everything myself, like I was with Backlinko, 
how can we scale it up to keep quality high, but pump out more of it? Um, and it's difficult. I'm learning. That's what I'm saying. It's a really hard thing. It's easy to scale content, but it's really hard to scale good content. Um, so this is something I'm learning. I'm just spending more time doing that kind of thing than worried about like, oh, someone from Google said that, you know, you shouldn't guest post anymore <laughs> for the eighth time. Like, I'm just not I'm <laughs> just kind of over that. Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. I feel like the content scaling thing is very interesting, though, because one thing we do see as, as we get to the end here is there's been a lot of talk around AI content, like natural language generation. Um, I'm curious your thoughts on that, because obviously when it comes to quality content, you need that human editing. Do you see that going in a certain direction? Like, do you have thoughts on using AI content to scale at some point? Yeah, I, I see it as a real thing. Um, not now. Like I've tried a bunch of tools and none really impressed me. At first, I don't know if you tried them, Garrett, but like at first, if you try them, you're blown away. Mm -hmm. And then it's kind of like, well, I can't actually use this. It's almost like a carnival uh, <laughs> gag or something. Like it's, at first it's intriguing, but then you realize it's just smoke and mirrors. So I think for, I have some, a friend of mine that's obsessed super obsessed with it and, and his whole case is that there's two different types of content there's just he calls it general content which is more or less what is something or some very basic background around the topic that's something that ai can can't right now but it's getting close it can at least outline that right um, and then you can fill in the blanks with a, with a human the other stuff that specific knowledge content that stuff is net well i won't say never but really it's going to be tough for ai to do it like as someone like you get her like say you're writing a post about how to start how to start a podcast you talk about scheduling guests and finding guests and coming up with topics and all this stuff and ai hasn't actually gone through that experience so the content won't have that like just something you could just tell when you read bs right yeah you could just yeah. tell when you're reading and someone regurgitated and that's what ai does it's the ultimate regurgitator it's just looking what, at what's out there and rewarding it and reformatting it. So it's not like a content spinner, but it really is just reworking without that. It doesn't bring anything original to the table. So I feel like as long as people value specific knowledge content, we don't really have to worry too much about AI, but some people use it to scale to outline stuff. So it can create content briefs basically. And I, I could see a case to be made for that, but I just, it got a lot of hype. I haven't seen as people, many people talk about it. I think because they all tried it, were blown away at first, like I was and then tried actually making content with it and wasn't successful. That was my right. experience. Yeah, no, I mean, um, so, it, it's definitely a tool. Like it's definitely a tool, right? In, in the sense mm -hmm. of like, it's something you can use, but isn't necessarily the place that can just do it for you. Yeah, I, I think maybe someday, like I wouldn't, it seems to be progressing, but I think someday it'll be able to write, like say there's a new thing, a blue blue law, uh, like a, a coin, an altcoin. I think it could probably just, write about what it is, how it works, maybe some like similar um, cryptocurrencies. Um, I think it could probably handle that in, in a couple of years. But then if you want to write about should you invest in that, that's where you need a human because they're right. going to have the perspective. This is where it's going. They have an announcement coming up for this big thing. They're going to partner with someone or like look historically at, at similar cryptocurrencies in the space that have had this pattern. AI is going to be, it's going to be really tough for them to do that. Watch it! Watch out, Brian. It's like five years. They're gonna. There's a, a business that's gonna come out, and it's gonna be like 
who are the top 10 experts in the industry, have the AI reach out to those people, do an automated telephone call, ask them for a quote, and then put it in. You heard it here oh first. God. You heard it here. That Why not? Insane. Why not? That'd be awesome, actually, if it existed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Brian, <laughs> this is awesome. I really appreciate your time. Um, I think all the, all the stuff that you're doing is really cool. And, and it makes a lot of sense. Like over the years, you've learned so much and, and we always get, you know, our passions like evolve. So it's cool to see you move from like a focus on SEO, focused link building to, you know, this exploding topics and working with investors and, and kind of inspiring entrepreneurs. Um, any, any party words, any tips for the, the budding SEOs out there or the announced SEO team? that are looking to stay at the top of the field? Yeah, the number one thing I would say is think about Google is going to get better at search intent. So the better you can satisfy that and be a master at that, even if that's just your niche, which no one has, that would be a great niche for an SEO to have. I'm the search intent expert. There's so many like technical SEO, whatever. If you could be a search intent expert, you'll never go hungry because you can literally go to a page, change some stuff, make it better and rankings will improve versus a link building expert where we got to come up with a campaign of with a map and a survey and all this stuff. And then it takes weeks and then you reach out to journalists and you get a couple links. That would be my, my recommendations to focus on that. Cause the more we focused on those like search intent, little user experience things, it's made a massive difference with exploring topics. And I'm seeing you can, it's, it's more sensitive than the SEO space cause it's way less competitive. So when we do something that works, it's like to the moon versus SEO where there's huge sites above us. So I'm able to see what a difference it makes and it's it's incredible. Awesome. Well, well, thank you. Thank you so much again for joining me. It's been really cool uh, chatting with you about all this. Thanks, Garrett. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. This is Garrett Sussman from iPoll Rank with uh, Brian Dean for this next episode of Rankable. Appreciate y'all coming out and we'll see you soon.